come on, give him some praise again. Hallelujah. Praise God, isn't it good to just live in the freedom, living in the freedom, amen? When I walked in the doors this morning with Judah, um, we, I looked at him, I'm like, man, you can just sense the presence of God in this place. Like before you were here, like you could sense the presence of God in this place and you knew, man, there's a freedom in this house. There's a freedom in the house of God, a freedom to worship, a, a freedom to sing, a freedom to, 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 to just be in the presence of God no matter who you are, no matter where you come from. You know, we, we haven't separated. It's not vaxxed and unvaxxed. It's not masked and unmasked. It, it, it's not sinned this week and didn't sin this week. It's not sexual sin over there and gossips over there. You know, it's just all of us together in the house of God saying, hey, if not for you, we would be dead. <laughs> if not for you, we wouldn't be experiencing the life and the wholeness and the joy and the power of God in our lives. There's freedom in the house. There's freedom in the house. There's no pretense. I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure no one came here pretending y'all are perfect. There's no pretense. We're not perfect. We've all made mistakes. I do, you do, we do. But we're all welcome in God's house. All striving to become more of what God designed us to be. Amen. <clears throat> Isn't it a sweet atmosphere when people are passionately reaching out to the Lord? Amen. So good to be in church. Welcome to church. If you're new here, my name is Jesse. Uh, my wife Lauren and I have the privilege of pastoring this church for nine years last weekend. And um, this is not our last weekend. Last weekend was nine years. And uh, we got 26-ish more years to go and excited about what God's done, what God's doing, what God's going to do uh, in and through our imperfect lives. Amen. And uh, last week I preached a sermon called, Can I Get a Witness? Uh, you know, did, did that inspire anyone here to maybe step out a little bit? Give me a wave if, if, if you had an opportunity this week to share the gospel with somebody, right? Yeah, can I get a witness? Amen. And uh, so this week I'm going to do part two of that. It's called, Can I Still Get a Witness? And I'm excited about that. Lately, I've been preaching. I used to always do sermon series. Um, and then lately, I've just been doing like one sermon, you know, off topic all the time. And, but it's like God's been stretching my sermons into sermon series anyway. And uh, like a few weeks ago, I started a sermon series on faith. And God's like, how about we make that three sermons, you know? Uh, we all here for that, yeah? Uh, and then last week, I'm like, let's do one on being a witness. And God's like, how about we do two? And I'm like, all right. Cool. There's two sermons in this as well. I'm really hoping that he doesn't um, stretch this one out past today because uh, I've got four sermons planned for next month that we've paid advertising for to do. And uh, so I'm really hoping that things go according to plan on that one sermon this year. Come on. <laughs> But, um, but it's been good. And so I want to welcome you to church. Um, if you, uh, you know, you're, you're welcome here no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're wearing. Uh, you know, you don't have to wear a suit. Someone told me today that I'm wearing a girl's shirt. <clears throat> they said, nice shirt. Does it come in men's? I said, it does, but that one didn't fit. So I got the girl's one. <clears throat> so anyway. So we're going to have some fun today, all right? Y'all ready for the word? Yeah? I'm kidding, by the way. This is a man's shirt. 
Just take a vote. Who thinks this is a man's shirt? Give me a wave. Not as many hands as I anticipated. <laughs> hands up if you think I'm wearing a woman's shirt and I should give it back to my wife. <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. So, good news is I'm not serving. I'm not serving today for your approval, but for his. And um, and he voted in the affirmative. It's a man's shirt. So, mm-hmm. so shall we get on with the scripture though? All right. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 18. I'm going to read about 15 verses today. So, um, so stay with me, stay standing, as is our habit at Eternity Church, uh, while we read the, the Word. So, uh, verse 3, <clears throat> I thank God whom I serve. Oh, sorry, let me set it up. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two letters uh, to Timothy, and this is the second of those letters, um, uh, chapter 1, just three verses in. And so this is Paul speaking to someone that he mentored in the faith, okay? And so Paul says, I thank God, Timothy. I thank God whom I serve, as, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that felt that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you also. Uh, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control or a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the gospel of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us by a holy calling, not because of our works, because we did great things, but because of his own purpose and his grace on our lives, which we gave which He gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages even began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which, <coughs> which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in, and I am convinced that He is able to guard me until the day that has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard in me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all those who are in Asia, they turned away from me, among whom are Phrygilus and Fumungines. We'll call them Ben and Steve. May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Oniferous, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered at Ephesus. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that these words that you wrote, that you sent to Timothy, you have also sent to us. God, thank you that the whole Word of God is useful for inspiration, encouragement, correction, discipline. Lord God, empowering us to be all that you designed us to be. Thanks for trusting us with your message, with your Word. Help us to be bold with it. Help us to understand how important it is that the world we currently live in need the Word of God. 
God, I ask for your help to preach it today. I ask for, we all ask for your help to receive it. And we all know that the world needs to hear it. So God, may we be conduits of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord just three seconds of praise. God is good. This is going to be a good word for your life. Amen. Come on, high five someone sitting next to you and you may take your seats. High five them hard, make it hurt, let's go. I got a word for you today. I believe that it's going to bless you. Even just last night, we had six people saved, uh, four more this morning. However many will be in this service. I thank God that our church isn't only ministering to believers and equipping believers and empowering believers, but winning the lost as well. Amen. And uh, so I'm excited about what God's going to do in your life today. Um, and, uh, but I- I'm telling you, this is a word that's going to bless your heart that's going to empower you and strengthen you and help you to become all that God has designed for you to be. Amen. <clears throat> but uh, hey, give me a give me a wave. Yeah, give me a wave if um, if you are uh, like a first generation believer, like like your your parent, your grandparents, your parents, they weren't saved, but it's you. You got saved and and you gave. Give me a wave if that's you. You're a first generation believer. Come on, give these people a hand. Like these people are, are, are breaking chains, breaking curses, just breaking bondage in their families. Amen. God bless you. That's incredible. Uh, uh, stay the course. Amen. Stay the course. Um, what about maybe second or third generation? Maybe your mom or your grandparents uh, were believers. Give me a wave if that's you. Your mom or your grandparents were believers. Give me a wave. Yeah. Your mom or grandparents. Yeah, cool. Isn't that awesome? You're like second, third, maybe even fourth generation believers. That's like a third of the room is here because their grandparents and their parents were believers. This week I was, um, I was talking to my Auntie Gail, or as you would say, Aunt Gail, but she's a human, not an aunt, so it's Auntie Gail, right? I was talking to my Auntie Gail about the first believers in our family. In 1972, my great Auntie Pat, right, um, so she's my, my dad's auntie or my grandfather's sister, Auntie Pat. She's actually still alive. She's 93 years old, right? Isn't that awesome? I'm like, why do I have to come down this line of the lineage where the men barely got to 80? And then over here, we got one side of lineage getting to 93. Why can't that be my DNA? Come on, right? But anyway, I digress. Um, we were, I, I was talking about the story of, of the salvation in our family. And, um, and so Auntie Pat, 93 now, but in 1972, her eldest son, Malcolm, died in a motorcycle accident. A car was overtaking um, another vehicle. And just ran head on into uh, into Auntie Pat's eldest son Malcolm, uh, who I never met. He was he died ten years before I was born, and um, and this accident happened the day before my dad's oldest sister, Auntie Helen, was to be married. Okay, and so so that's my grandpa's daughter uh, Helen was due to be married to Uncle Ernie, and uh, and this and the day before that accident, um, um, Auntie Pat's eldest son Malcolm passed away and my grandpa was so blown away by the grace that his sister Auntie Pat had at this time see she carried that burden through the wedding without telling anybody she said I don't want I don't want to take away from 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 Helen's big day I don't want them to remember their day as the day they grieved their cousin uh, and also as the day they got married. So what she did was with the Lord, she just, she just bared that 
burden on her own throughout the whole weekend. And it wasn't until the day after the, after the wedding that she told the uncles and the aunts and the cousins and anybody else that, that Malcolm had passed away. What a strong woman. I'm not saying you need to do that, but that is a strong woman. She bared through, she went through the speeches, she went to the wedding, she went through the hugs, she went through the prayers, she went through the, the motions all weekend just saying, I'll carry this so that your day can still be a blessed day. What a powerful, powerful thing to do. The strength and the grace that she carried so inspired my grandpa. Not just the grace that she carried to get through those two days, <clears throat> but the grace that she carried to get through the next couple of days, the next few days and weeks. It so inspired my grandpa that the very next week he went to church with Arnie Howland, sorry, with Arnie Pat at Bayswater Assemblies of God in Melbourne, Australia. And I was talking to my auntie this week about it, uh, about it. And, and she said that a friend actually gave them a scripture about how when the righteous are taken before their time, it's because God is protecting them from an evil that is to come, right? Isaiah 57, we shared that with you last week, you remember? <clears throat> and Auntie Pat was so convinced that this word is true. That, 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 that if Malcolm is not here, that God had Malcolm's best interests at heart when Malcolm passed away. That if life would have been better for Malcolm to stay, God would have made it so. And her faith just so inspired my grandfather that the very next weekend at church, my grandpa could, could hardly wait for the salvation article. And he ran first to the front to receive Christ in 1972 at that church service. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> right? He ran down the front. We've had days like that here too, where there's someone so impacted and, and, and so transformed by what they've seen in believers' lives that they've ran to the altar to give their lives to Christ. Arnie Pat said something beautiful just this week she said again it's not something that she said back then but still today almost 50 years sorry yeah almost 50 years after her eldest son passed away Arnie Pat said the most amazing thing this weekend she said seeing your grandpa's salvation was worth any sorrow she had to bear isn't that beautiful what a woman of faith Amen. I'm so glad that my Auntie Pat, Grandpa's sister, had such a strong faith that even in her darkest moment, she was the brightest light in the room. Don't you want to have that kind of rock solid faith? Amen. That even in the darkest moments of your life, that you're the brightest person in the room. See, she, she witnessed to my grandfather who gave his life to Christ. And because grandpa sowed seeds of faith and fire into his kids' hearts and into, into his grandkids' heart and into my heart, and at a young age, he taught me to preach the gospel. He taught me to share the gospel so that at school, I would tell people about Jesus. At school, I would pray for people that they would be healed or, or that God would intervene in their family situation or in their, in their struggle. And it's because my grandfather took the time to sow seeds of faith and fire into my heart and moving on it was my my cousin Paul who a descendant of grandpa who, who prayed for me laying hands on me at youth camp that I would be filled with the spirit and speak in tongues and that I would live my life in pursuit of all that God has for me because grandpa got saved and because grandpa prayed and because grandpa was passionate about souls being saved there are about 40 minimum of his descendants that believe in Jesus and follow his example 40 of them. 
Four of us are pastors preaching the gospel on both sides of the earth. Amen. And every day I pray, God, don't let it stop with me. May it build steam even in the next generation. God, I don't know what this place will look like in another 25 years or another 26 years. I don't know what we'll be handing on to the next generation. I don't know if there'll be 5,000, 10,000 people worshipping every. I don't know. But what I do know is whatever's been done through my life, God, may it be more in my kids' lives. Amen. If there's been, been 20,000 souls saved, if there's been 50,000 souls saved, may it be to a factor of 100 or 200 over that in my kids' lives. Amen. I want to sow the seeds of faith and fire that God put in my life in theirs. See, Grandpa didn't have what a lot would call influence. He's just a chippy, a carpenter. In fact, he's been dead since 2003. And I bet hardly anyone remembers his name or knows his name. But without his salvation, and there's his, his intentional legacy building, his intentionality in sowing seeds of faith and fire into my life, none of us would be in this room today. If my grandfather, Alan Newman, hadn't been such a passionate soul winner and intentionally sharing his passion for preaching with me, this room would probably still be owned by Willis Automotive and there'd either be a, car, a showroom in here or a pit in the ground where they're changing oil. But instead, almost a thousand people come to worship here every week. And between 20 and 40 souls are saved every single week. Why? Because like Timothy's grandmother Lois, Alan Newman made sure that his grandkids inherited the sincere faith in his heart and that they caught the fire that was in him. See, Alan Newman may be dead, but the fire in his heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ lives on in, in us. And I'm doing my best to pass that fire to my children and to their children. But can I encourage you, church, that the most influence you will ever have is to ensure that the sincere faith that lives in you lives in your kids. That's the most important thing you need to do in your life. I'm telling you, it's more important than, than whether or not you can even put food on the table. It's more important than whether or not you can provide a home that you own versus rent. The most important thing that we can do in our lives is make sure that the sincere faith that lived in, that lived in, uh, that lived in Lois and Eunice and us lives in our kids. Amen. 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 The most important mission field in your life is your family. It's not the only mission field, but it is the most important mission field. Amen. And I want to actually pray today for parents. So if you're a parent in this room, would you lift up your hand? You've got kids. They don't have to be young, just kids. If you, you're a parent, lift up your hand and, and I'm going to pray for you. Because um, I, I, I want the, the sincere faith that lives in you to live in them. And it's not too late. It's not too late. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that there are so many godly men and women in this room, mothers and fathers, Lord God. I thank you for them. God, I pray that the sincere faith that lives in us, God, the sincere faith that lives in us would live in our children also. God, that the fire that you put in our hearts, Lord God, would be fanned into flame in our kids as well, God. Help us to pay attention to the number one most important mission field you sent us to, our families. 
God, that we would care more about our, about our kids' faith than we do about the favour they have with men and women. God, that we would care more about our kids' faith in you than we care about the sports that they play or the dancing that they do or, or, or the SAT scores that they achieve. Lord God, may we care more about their faith than their occupation, their faith than their education, their faith than their sporting, Lord God. God, help us to stay the cause and pay attention to the most important thing. God, we're not saying these other things are not important, but may the most important thing be the most important thing, Lord God. Help us to sow seeds of faith in their lives. God, help us to not care when parents ask, well, did your kid do this? What college are they going? God, help us to care more about the fact that we can say, my kid loves the Lord. My kid serves the Lord. God, I pray you help us to stay focused. God, give us wisdom, yes, but also I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us demonstrate the power of God in our kids' lives, that the sincere faith and the fire in our hearts would live on in them as well. In the name of Jesus, someone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. I do also want to pray for one more group before we move on. But if your kids are away from Christ, I believe that today God wants to do something special in your heart and bring them back. Maybe you're disconnected from your kids. I'm telling you, the word of the Lord right now, if you are estranged from your children, the word of the Lord right now is He wants you to boldly step back into their lives. Step back into their lives and become the spiritual oversight that you're supposed to be, that, that they may reject you, but step back in in the name of Jesus, amen. So if you've got kids that are away from God, hey, we're not judging you. We know the devil drew them away. He's a jerk. And so I want to pray for you that he would help you stand firm in faith, that he would help you stand firm in faith, amen, and that you would see them come back. So if you've got kids away from the Lord, maybe grandkids as well, kids or grandkids, lift up your hand. Let's pray them back in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. If you're near one of these people, would you put your hand on their shoulders? Because we want to pray that God would bring them back in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. These people are hurting in their hearts. Lord God, I thank you that you see the pain in these parents' and grandparents' hearts. That, Lord God, you don't ignore it. You're not, a, you're not offended by it. God, you see the pain of a parent or a grandparent that has a child that's not, work, not walking for you, not serving you. God, I pray that you would begin to alleviate that pain. You would comfort them in that pain. And you would give them a peace to know that, God, you are working to draw them back. God, I pray that parents who are estranged, you give boldness to step back in and step back up in the name of Jesus. God, help them to, to courageously take on that mantle of saying, I will be a spiritual influence in your life. Oh, you wanted me to shut up, but I'm coming back in the name of Jesus. God, help them to have the boldness and the wisdom, yes, but also again, God, that they would be able to demonstrate a life of, of power and a life of courage and a life of favour for their kids and grandkids to see. God, you said that when we train a child in the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart. For those who are trained in the way, God, help the parent to have the faith to know that they will not depart when they're old, they'll come back. In the name of Jesus. And God, those kids who have never known you, parents or grandparents who were saved after the kids were born and raised, God, I pray you give them the strength and the wisdom and the courage and the opportunity to be a spiritual witness in their kids' and grandkids' lives. In the name of Jesus, we commit them to you. We know you're going to do a miracle. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Come on, let's praise God for a breakthrough in those families' lives. Hallelujah. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support Eternity Church, 
please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That will help us reach more people to share the good news with. Thanks so much. Now back to the message. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, don't give up. Don't get complacent. Don't be like it hurts too much. Carry that cross. Come on, don't give up. They're coming back. Come on, someone say it. Let's declare it for those parents. They're coming back. They're coming back. Amen. They're coming back in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We got to pay attention to the most important mission field. And we're not here to judge you and say you messed up because they're gone. Hey, I don't care what happened last month. I'm talking about next month. Let's move on and let's carry the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. And I wasn't planning to preach on that, but that was the start of the, the scripture that I was reading. And I'm like, man, I cannot not talk about that. Amen. May the faith in Eunice and Lois and Ellen and you and me live on in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pay attention to the most important mission field. But again, it's not the only mission field that God's called you to. Yeah. Yes, he's called you to your family, but your workplace, but your apartment building but your cul-de-sac, but your neighbor and your neighborhood, amen. He put you in your mom's womb that you would preach the gospel in this part of the world. Like I said last week, a lot of people want to preach the gospel on the other side of the world, but they're not willing to be faithful on this part of the world. Come on. Hey, can I tell you, if you're ashamed of the gospel here, you'll be ashamed of it there. Come on, come on, let, let, let's be a steward of this place that God has placed us, amen. We don't simply want to live our lives with the benefits of the kingdom of God, but we want to live our lives in service to the kingdom of God, amen. <clears throat> You're called to win the lost. Come on, that's right, look at the neighbour, say, yes, you. Come on, look at your neighbour, yes, you. Touch your other neighbour, say, in the home and out of the home. You're called to win the lost. You're called to win the lost. Now, there's some really cool parts of this scripture, that we read earlier that I want to share with you, that I want to show you to encourage you to stand up and join the fight for the gospel and the souls in this world. And see, in verses 8 to 9, Paul says to Timothy, So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and he has called us. I don't know about you, but I've heard hundreds of sermons on not being ashamed of the gospel, right? You have to, right, throughout my whole life. Like, especially if you were in youth in the 80s or the 90s or even the noughties, like every second week there's a sermon on don't be ashamed of the gospel, right? Like every single week you heard, every couple of weeks you heard a sermon, not being ashamed. I've heard them everywhere. I've heard them in church. I've heard them in kids' church. I've heard them in youth. I've heard them on the radio. I've heard them all over the place, right? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. All of them inspired by the apostle Paul's uh, plea to Timothy to keep the faith and fan into flame the gift of God that's within him. And for most of my life, I understood that it wasn't always cool to be the only person in the room that believed in Jesus, right? Like I understood what that was like, to be the only one in the whole room that believed in Jesus, particularly in a post-Christian Australia, which is much more like the UK and Europe than it is like the USA, right? Like if you, like when I grew up, I knew what it was like to be the only Christian in the room. I knew what it was like to be the only Christian in the whole building, right? And, and, and so I knew that do not be ashamed of the gospel meant to speak up about Jesus, even when the world says you're an idiot, right? Like I know what that feels like. I know that. So I, I would offer prayer to people when they're sick, even if no one else in the room believed. And I would 
tell people that, that Jesus loves them. And, and I wasn't ashamed of the fact that Jesus loves them, right? And, and it's, I'm not ashamed of that to tell Jesus loves you, right? Like, that's cool, you know? Like, you know, I'm not ashamed to tell the homeless guy on the street, Jesus loves you, anybody else, right? Like, we're not ashamed of that. But the problem is, that's only the first half of the verse. The verse doesn't end at do not be ashamed of the gospel. I don't think the church has always done a good job of preaching the second half of that verse. Myself included. Me too, right? See, Paul, Timothy's leader, the apostolic leader of the church goes on to say, and do not be ashamed of me. He goes on to elaborate and he said, said, too many people turned away from me when I started causing a bit of a ruckus. (laughs) Too many people turned away from me when I made a little bit of noise. Too many people stopped supporting me when I got arrested. But there was this one guy, his name was Waniferous, and he was not ashamed of my chains. I'm like, isn't this a funny thing, right? Like we hear, hey, don't be ashamed of me. That's like me looking at, 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 at Jenna and Morgan who, who worked for me at church, right? Paul was the apostolic elder of the church. It's like me looking at them and being like, hey, don't be ashamed of me. And then, and then everyone else would be like, well, that's a bit egotistical. Don't you mean don't be ashamed of the gospel? Right? But Paul says to them, hey, don't be ashamed of me. And I'm like, Paul. I don't under, what is this second half of this scripture? What does that mean? And he elaborates by saying, there was this one guy, Waniferous, and he was not ashamed of my chains. So I'm like, so God, what are you saying here? What's the message to our church in this? Because I know that, that, that Paul didn't just write this letter to Timothy, but you also gave it to us that we would be inspired, that we would be encouraged, that we would be corrected, that we would be discipled, Right? So God, what is the message to us? What are these chains that Paul speaks of? I started thinking about the chains. What are they? What do they represent? What do they mean now in 2021 at Eternity Church in Clive Isle? What do these chains mean? And as I prayed about it and as I thought about it and as I read about it and as I get through my my encyclopedia and I'm, God, what is this? I begin to realize that Paul's chains represent the penalty for not falling in line with culture. Paul's chains represent the cost of not falling in line with culture. Not lining up, not falling in line, not not, not ticking all the boxes that the world wants me to tick. Oh, wasn't it so much less complicated and so much easier when all the world did was call you stupid because you didn't believe that we turned into humans from apes? That was so much less complicated, right? Man, it was so much nicer when all they did was tease us because we worship God and believe in creation. Can I just pause for a minute though, mind you? Even now for our young people, it's difficult to be the only Christian in the room. See, I think this younger generation in America are experiencing more of what it was like for my generation in Australia. 
right? See, for you, most of you, not, not all of you, but for most of you, there were many Christians around you all the time and, and that was okay and no one mocked that. But, but for this younger generation, they're, 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 they are sometimes the only believer in the room, the only person willing to stand up and speak the truth and pray for people and offer to, and offer to serve people. They, they're often the only one. And, and I thank God that, that when I was their age, that I had a man of God standing next to me, teaching me how, how to suffer for the gospel. See, see, my grandfather, what he did, he didn't, he didn't just tell me, he didn't just, he didn't just say, you need to be a believer. No, he took me preaching with him. <clears throat> see, my grandfather was one of those guys who would stand on, on the corner uh, on his box and he would preach the gospel and he had a they had a table full of, full of Gospels of John and, and also full of those, those tracts. You know those pictures where there was a cliff and there was a chasm and then on the cliff over here was me and over there was God and in the middle there was a, there was a cross. You, you ever see those pictures? If you, if you grew up in the 80s or the 90s and maybe even the early noughties, you know, right, that, that, that picture. And, and, and so he took me and then, then we could see that, that the cross bridged the gap so I could get over to God, right? And he took me to, to share those tracks. He took me to share those Gospels of John. He taught me how to stand on that box and preach the Gospel, right, while I'm getting ridiculed, while he's getting ridiculed. And he showed me in the middle of ridicule how to stand firm, how to be strong, how to have grace, Amen. I learned that from my father, from my grandfather. People say, get off your soapbox. I'm so glad my grandpa got on his soapbox. I'm so glad he taught me how to stand on a soapbox, amen. Come on, God is good. But I, what I'm saying is, I think that, that, that when I was their age, I had a man of God next to me showing me how, how to stand firm even when everybody ridicules you. How to stand firm as the only believer on the street, come on. I think there's some parents out there that need to show their kids how to stand firm in the face of ridicule. You want your kids to stand up, but have they ever seen you stand up for the gospel in front of somebody? Come on, have they seen you share the gospel when nobody believes in the gospel? Have they seen you pray for the sick? Have they seen you witness to someone at calls? Have they seen you? Come on, we, we need some people to be like, be like Alan Newman, my grandpa, and say, hey, kids, I'm going to show you how it's done. Stand next to me and we'll get ridiculed together, but I'll show you how to stand firm in the middle of it. <clears throat> That's what these kids need. And maybe your kids don't live with you. Would you do it in front of our youth ministry? Would you do it online? Would you let our kids see that it's okay to stand firm and you could show them how to stand firm, be strong and be gracious and loving as well? I'm so glad I had my grandpa to do that for me. But too many Christians now are okay with Jesus loves you. He loves you. But they're ashamed of those who preach the whole truth and cause a little bit of ruckus in the world. Too many Christians want Christ, but not Christ crucified. See, Christ crucified means that we did something wrong enough that he had to die a bloody death on the cross to atone for our sins. Oh, we want to talk about Christ but, and how he loves people, but, but too many people don't want to talk about the fact that you messed up, I messed up, and he died because of it. And it set us free. Come on. Too many people don't want to talk about it. Too many people want the kingdom benefits without kingdom service. Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel but also don't be ashamed of me who am in chains for preaching the whole counsel of God, not just what Rome authorizes. See, a lot of people love their preachers when they preach about grace, but can become ashamed of them when they preach about the sin that the grace covered. Right? 
And that's what Paul's warning Timothy against. Be bold about the whole gospel. To be unashamed of the easy bits and the hard bits. Let me, let me bring it closer to home for you, all right? Can, can we do that? You cool? Y'all still with me? Is this all right? It's kind of like how everyone loved the fact that at Eternity Church, we always said we never cancel church. We never can. Everybody loved the fact. They're like, yeah, we never cancel church. Ice, ice, baby, never cancel church. Snow, snow, raining, never cancel church, right? They loved it. They're all about it. They tell it. Every time there's a snowstorm, they're like, you can come to our church. Our church don't cancel, right? And they loved that when the world agreed with it. But some of those same people became ashamed of their church when we said that very same thing, but in 2020, when it came with some chains. Right? Right? All around the world. Everybody loved their pastor. For, for years, everybody loved their pastor when their pastor said, lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Everybody loved that. They're like, oh, you sick? Come to my church. We believe in the healing power of God. We're going to lay hands on you. You will be healed, baby. Come on. You got to come to church. You got to come to my church. We, we having healing revivals all over the world, right? Like everybody's like every cheering on. Yeah, pastor's got faith. Pastor's got faith. Faith over fear. My pastor rocks, right? My church rocks. Our, our, our people rock, right? Every all around the world, they love their pastors saying, lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. But then they're ashamed of their pastors for laying hands on the sick when the sick were sick. Y'all all right with this so far? You cool? When laying hands on the sick came with some chains, maybe a little bit of social media ridicule, maybe a little bit of dilemma, all of a sudden... They abandoned that truth. Look, we got to preach that whole word or just throw the whole thing away. That's it. That's it. And can I tell you, if you're ashamed of a bit of it, you're ashamed of the whole thing. We got the whole word or no word. Amen. Now, listen to me. If you were one of those people, I'm not picking on you. It's okay. We love you. We forgive you. I love you. Even if you got online and you're like, stupid pastor. Serious. I'm like, whatever. That's why I just didn't care. I'm like, whatever. I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm preaching, uh, I'm preaching uh, the gospel, not, 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 not the what you want all. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're preaching. Uh, it's all good. And I forgive you. And we forgive you. And churches all around the world forgive those people. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to shame you. But what we do want is saying, all right, that was last week or that was last month or, or that was last year. Well, what are we going to do now? See, see, it's okay to have moments. Hey, I had seven years of being ashamed as a lead pastor. Seven years. Now, I, 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 I talked about a lot of good things, I believe. And God did a lot of great things in our church. But, but, but there, was a, there was a little bit lacking. Seven years. Hey, so what I'm asking you is that, that, that moving forward, that you would fan into flame the fire that God put in you. 
that moving forward, that tomorrow and the next day that you would no longer be ashamed of the gospel or the chains that come with it these days when you're a bold Christian. I pray that today you would make a choice that, that I'm not gonna live with one foot in, in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I'm jumping out and I'm jumping all in in the kingdom of God, amen. I'm telling you right now, you will find so much freedom when you're unashamed of the gospel or the chains. Consistent when the world loves it and consistent when they don't, amen. We've had a good couple of hundred years, haven't we? In the United States, for a couple of hundred years, it's been like, yeah, that's a whole church, Jesus, God's plan, let's go, right? It's, it's been nice, it's been nice, it's been nice. There's some chains now. I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm for Jesus, but that's just that love guru, Jesus. You know? Just that joy, Jesus. Just that healing, Jesus. Which, by the way, can I tell you right now, even sometimes the way Jesus healed people was a little bit, wow. You know, like, like yo, I'm blind. So Jesus is like hucking up a big loogie. Dude's like, I'm blind. I ain't deaf. I know what you're doing. Jesus put some mud made out of spit on the dude's eyes. He's like, I, I know where that came from, man. You know, like, like even some of the really nice and fuzzy things about Jesus can be a little messed up sometimes, right? Like you do it. You go pray for a blind person this week. Spit on them. See what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, he ain't always roses and fun and fairies. I'm telling you. Come on, amen. Some people are like, I want that love guru, Jesus. I ain't so into that whip-making, Jesus. I ain't so into that table-turning, Jesus. I'm, I'm not for that. You know, hey, no, no, I want you to know I, I, my, my Jesus loves you. My Jesus, he's not that truth-speaking Jesus they talk about over there at eternity. I'm just for that love. Too many pastors all around the world, they get, and not just pastors, friends, leaders, whatever, they get, they, they get thrown to the wayside every time they preach a, a, a difficult message. Can I tell you, they're not preaching it because they're a jerk. They're not preaching it because they don't like someone or they, they want to hurt someone's feelings. They're not preaching it to try and appease some group of people in the crowd. No, they preach it because they don't just want to see souls saved. They also want to see people living in freedom. They want to see people living their lives in pursuit of all that God has for them. Amen. We know that according to the word of God, the truth is the foundation that freedom is built upon. Amen. We don't want to raise a generation of believers that are just here for the fun, but they're gone for the fight. No, we want to raise a generation of believers that are here for the fun and the fight. Right? Like I said, 200 years, it's been nice. It's been nice in America. We can talk about Jesus. It's all good. Almost everybody agrees with us. And by the way, for those who think the church is in decline, can I tell you this? Maybe the percentage of people that go, but the number of Christians in America is way higher than it was back then. Right? Right? Come on, isn't that cool? So many believers here. But a couple of hundred years has been nice. Were we just here for that fun 200 years? Or are we going to stick around when there's some change now? Going to stick around for the fight now, amen? See, no one respects lukewarm people. 
Hey, 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 men, listen to me. If you're a single young man in here, can I promise you this? There is not one girl out there just desperately searching for a lukewarm man. Just going, man, if only I'm searching in the mountaintops, in the valley low, by the river, by the beach. I'm searching in the city and the farm. I just want to find just that one man who's blown by the wind, that one man with no conviction, that one man who will just always do everything to keep everybody happy all the time and with, without a spine. That's the man I want to marry. I want the spineless man to be the father of my children. There ain't one girl saying that. Not one. Hello. Listen, there, there is no one out there, just no young men who are fatherless saying, if only I could find a lukewarm Christian man to emulate. There's no one. No one's inspired by, by lukewarm, uh, a lukewarm life. No one's like, oh man, that lukewarm dude, that's who I want to be. No one. People are inspired by Conviction. In fact, I, I'm inspired by people with conviction that is different than mine. Yeah? Like just this week, I did a podcast. It was like nearly 90 minutes long. It was a podcast where I was really trying to encourage Australian pastors to open your churches. And if one of you are watching, open your churches. <clears throat> I don't get it. And open it to everyone. Not just people who will or will not wear a mask. Don't say no masks allowed. Don't say no people without masks allowed. Don't say anti-vax. Don't say pro-vax. Don't say vaxed allowed or un- No, just all welcome in the house of God. Open your churches. But I talked about that because I'm like, Here's the thing, what I, we're talking about conviction though. And in the podcast, I was talking about the fact that, 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 that there are so many pastors that I have spoken to whose conviction is, this is wrong. Church needs to be open. So I'm like, why isn't it open then? If your conviction is that church should be open, why is your church closed? On the flip side, there are people who are convicted, who are, sorry, who are convinced that if they have church, everybody's going to die. And they're convinced of that. And their conviction is it's dangerous. And I'm like, well, at least I can respect that you're doing it out of conviction. What I don't respect is the guy who's convicted that it should be open but isn't open. Because that's actually not conviction. I respect conviction. We all respect conviction, don't we? Right? People are inspired by conviction. They're inspired by strength. They're inspired by a solid faith, grounded and rooted in the Word of God. Not to mention the fact that if we seek favor with God first, God will give us favor with men and women too. But I want to encourage you, don't compromise your favor with God to get favor with men. Don't compromise your favor with God to get favor with men. If you're meant to have favor with them, God will give it to you without you having to compromise. Amen. See, I was thinking if, if this over here, if we've got Jack and Diane growing up in the heartland over here, and, and, and if they're supposed to, if, if I'm supposed to have favor with them, It'll come as I do not compromise my favor with God. But if I have to compromise my favor with God to get favor with Jack and Diane in the heartland, their favor is going to hurt me. Their favor is not going to bless me. Something's going to come with that favor like a poison in my soul. It's not going to be good for me. 
But if I'm meant to have favor with them, God will do it. Can I tell you that, that if you've got to compromise the, the, the truth of the word of God to get favor with somebody, that favor was not good for you and not meant for you. God will give you favor with the men and women you're supposed to have favor with. Amen. <clears throat> I had to learn this the hard way. I told you that. For so long as a pastor, I was, ashamed, I was unashamed of Jesus loves you. But I was way too scared to talk about the fact that there are things that some of us are doing. There, there are certain lifestyles or choices that we make that really disappoint God. And that he has a better life for you than the one you're living right now. And God had to wake me up. I needed to learn that people need to hear that at some point, God has a better life for them. God doesn't want you to keep cheating on your spouse. God doesn't want you to keep lusting over other people that aren't your spouse. God doesn't want you to keep lying to your spouse. Hey, if you're living in bitterness and brokenness towards your spouse, God, 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 it's time that you forgive them. That's what God wants you to do. God doesn't want us to get divorced. God doesn't want us to abandon our children. But if we have, He wants us to step back into their lives. God doesn't want us to eat every single thing that we see and never exercise, but instead He wants us to steward our bodies. God doesn't want us to live unhealthy lives. There are things that God wants us to do and we need to talk about the hard things, not because God is mean, but because God is good and He has a better life for you. A life of real joy, real and lasting pleasure, a life of real hope, amen. See, listen to me, church. God wants to bind up the brokenhearted. God wants to set the captives free. God wants to heal those who are sick. God wants to restore families that are broken and separated. And He wants to use you to tell them that it's possible. To tell them that it's possible. With God, it's possible to overcome any sexual sin. With God, it's possible to, over, it's, it's possible, sorry, to see restoration in any circumstance. That with God, it's possible to get healed, whether it's Rona, the flu, a cold or cancer, that God can heal and God does heal. And in this room, we have testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have been healed. You can lovingly tell your friend, listen, mate, you should not have left your wife. You don't have to agree when people do wrong things. Someone goes up to you, you know, oh yeah, I just had, I had a pastor friend come and talk to me about two years ago about how he's going to leave his wife. And, and he, wanted me, he wanted me to approve it. He wanted me to bless it. He goes, uh, she's this and she's that and she's this. And, and I'm like, bro, I need to meet with both of you before I even say anything about this. I'm sorry. Yes, you may want my affirmation of this thing, but I don't believe it's right. And he got mad at me and he got ticked off at me because I wouldn't affirm this wrong thing that he wanted to do. I said, no, you need to stay in the marriage. You need to step up and you need to find a way through this, mate. Come on. A couple of years later, he likes me again because they're still together. Thank God. But he had too many Christian friends affirming a bad decision. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. He needed a friend to be willing to say, no, step up. Let me pray for you that God would help you step up. Amen. We got to be ones bold enough, willing enough to answer with the truth when people ask difficult questions. We got to be willing to be his witness, even when they threaten to shoot the messenger. Amen. Oh yeah, I just want favor with my friend. Yes, I'd rather him not hate me for a year or so. But he did and he's still married and now he loves me again. I like that story better than just clapping as he walks off a cliff. Amen. Can I tell you something that I've learned as I've become bolder in my faith? 
Like if you've known me for a while, you'll definitely think that I'm bolder now. You might not agree with it, but I am. You know, like I'm bolder now than I was, you know, three years ago. And I've learned some things along the way. I want to share one of those things with you. I was talking to a friend uh, sitting in a cafe and, and, and I said something to him. And, and then as I said, I was like, man, I've got to write that down. You ever just say something and you're like, man, I am wise beyond my years. It's only ever happened to me once. It was this week. <laughs> I realized something. The thing I've learned is that I've got way more influence now that people hate me than I ever had three years ago when I felt like everybody loved me. Way more. We're seeing 20 to 40 souls saved every week. I've got a platform to speak to pastors all around the world now. I've got way more influence now that people hate me than when I thought, when I say I thought everybody loved me. It's like, oh, Like it's nice when people love me. Like it's nice, you know, when after church someone comes up and they're like, oh man, you really blessed me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. It's all him. Maybe me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's nice, but I'm loving seeing transformed lives more than that. Amen. More than just people saying, great job. You know, I'm not trying to get hated, but that hate means there's something convicting enough to make the devil come at me. And the fact that souls are being saved every week and you're, and you, you're all starting to experience freedom means there's something loving enough to keep people coming to experience that transformative power of God. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing up with me, I want to close with this. We all want to be bold, yeah? Like, hands up if you want to be a bold Christian. Yeah. We want to be bold, yeah. Verse 6 to 7, Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love, self-control, a sound mind. Some of you need to do what he said. You need to fan that gift into flame that's already in you. So we're going to pray for you that you would. Some of you, you've never even asked to receive that gift of God. And so we're going to pray for you and lay hands on you as well. What I'm going to do is myself and my team, we're going to lay hands on everyone that comes to the front. We're going to pop our hands on your head. We're just going to pray for you. We're not going to pray for long. And can I tell you, like 95% of the last service and the 9 a.m. service every week is our biggest service, like way more people than theirs. And they and we, we made it work. And we, we ended almost on time, almost. It went three or four minutes over, but it's all good. And, um, and so, so we're going to pray. But here's what we're going to do. My staff and myself and a couple of key guys like you are going to lay hands on people, okay? And, um, and what we're going to do in this moment is, is we're going to pray that God would fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. That you would have the boldness to share the gospel when it's easy and when it's hard. And that the Holy Spirit would fill you with power and love that's greater than fear in the name of Jesus. We're just going to pray for Holy Spirit fire.
And here's the thing about that. Um, we're not going to sit there. Now, here's what we do. I want, I want the staff and people that are praying to listen to me. You don't have to have your hand on people's heads the whole time. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. So what I want you to do is I want you to just pray. God, I pray for the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit to fan into flame. What is it? That ember in her heart that you would fill her with power, that you would fill her with love, that you would fill her with boldness in the name of Jesus, that she would be your witness when it's easy and when it's hard in the name of Jesus. And then lay your hands on the head as you say, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit fire in their hearts. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps. Thank you.